How we doing? You guys are good? Eh, not so much, but we'll get there. How about that? And we'll get there together. If we could just stop for a moment before I even uh, crack the word and, and teach and, and maybe preach to you just a little bit. If we could just really ask God to kind of be here with us and just kind of clear our minds of maybe some distractions so that we would receive exactly what it is that he wants us to receive. So could you bow your head um, with me? Father, we just come to you today. We just pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit um, that resides in every uh, true Christian, and we just ask that you would illuminate our minds and our hearts, uh, maybe center us uh, in this time on your best for us um, that we are going to clearly see in the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are uh, new to DBC, maybe this is your first time. My name's Chad. I have the opportunity and the pleasure of being the lead pastor here. Um, if you've been here a while, you already know that. Um, so um, that was for everybody else. But if you are new to DBC or maybe been gone for a while, this is actually a great week to be here. This is the second week of our series called Foundations. We launched it on Easter Sunday. And what we're um, kind of digging into in this series is to find the best version of ourselves. And what I mean by that is that there is a, a Jesus version of every person. The reason why you were created, the reason why you're here... <gasps> The reason why you have breath in your lungs is because I believe that God has a purpose for you and, and that there's something about your life that needs to be given over to Jesus so that he can make much of you and he can make much of himself and do it through our life. And when we do that, then our life becomes whole the way that he intended. That is the, the best version of us that we've yet to experience perfectly, but we can when we surrender it, uh, our lives to Jesus. And what I said last week is really the kind of the backbone, if you will, of this whole series is this. The foundation for a life made whole is not what you do to build it. So it's not about your self-help. It's not a matter of, well, if I just try a little bit harder or if I just go to church a little bit more or maybe I'll give money to this cause or, or maybe I'll, I'll do this or maybe I'll, I'll just become a good person all of a sudden. And it's like maybe if I'll just become a good person and I won't hate that coworker anymore, I'll just tend to try and hate them less. Then we kind of have some, I just want us to, to remove this idea that, that we can just white knuckle and if I try a little bit harder, then my life can be made whole because you will only be left wanting and you only be frustrated because that's just not possible. So it's not a matter of our self uh, work or even self effort, really. It's God's work in us. So it's who we tune into to find it. Now, this series. Is, it's going to go on for several weeks, and really this week, particularly this message, is going to really become like uh, just casting a short-term vision of, of, of the preaching and what you're going to hear in the teaching, and really not just what you're going to hear, but who I want you to become. Because as, as your pastor or someone who's here, I just consider you my pastor, even if it's for these times, I, I want to lead you well, and I want you to become the best version of yourself, and that's only done by the work of God in your life, and not just who, uh, just not your self-effort and how hard you try, and if you just white-knuckle life long enough that you get things figured out, because it's a lot more bigger problem um, that you can't fix Alone, So it's who we're going to tune into, and really this is where we're going to be over this, the rest of this series, but also the next probably series or maybe two. And so this is really kind of uh, casting a long shadow of where we're going, um, just the vision of who I want us to become and becoming more like Jesus. So we're going to find out more and more and more how to tune into uh, the God who I believe will set our hearts free. And, and I, I guess the bullseye for this particular message is this. 
And I, I typically give you the bullseye, the big idea, just so um, not you can evaluate my, my teaching or preaching, but just so you know um, what this is rooted in and where we're going. That a disciple closely follows to the life and teachings of Jesus to navigate through life. So this is what we're going to see in the text. This is, I believe, what God wants uh, for us if we've committed our life to Jesus. Now, notice that it says uh, a disciple uh, follows closely to the life and teachings of Jesus. It doesn't say a Christian because uh, the word Christian in our culture just kind of has kind of lost meaning. It's kind of diluted. It's kind of removed of power. The word Christian, it just means, well, you're a good moral person. So I'm not just trying to make you a good moral person um, in and of yourself. That's not my job. Uh, my job is to lead you to Jesus and that he can develop you from the inside out. So it's not a matter of your self-effort. You tracking with me so far? So a, a disciple uh, follows closely to the life and teachings of Jesus so that we can navigate through our life, that it's not just a Sunday experience, that it's a, a momentary experience, it's a life experience, it's a day-by-day experience, it's a, a, an experience to be lived out in community with other like-minded uh, people who follow Jesus. So a, a disciple uh, follows closely. The word follows is really interesting because we've really made a mess of this and it's really kind of confusing in our culture because if you're on Instagram, what do we do when we, we go and we, we follow or we unfollow, right? If you find those people, you're like, I'm unfollowing them. I'm not tracking their life anymore and I'm not allowing them to track mine, right? But you follow someone on Instagram, which means that you're kind of connected, sort of, like you can just kind of peer into what they want you to peer into. And yet if on Facebook, we can follow people, but it's, it's different. See, we can follow people on Instagram and it's, it seems like you're tightly connected. On Facebook, it's a little different. On Facebook, you can follow them at a distance, right? So you don't actually know them and, and that's called trolling, right? And so you can kind of troll someone's life and kind of like <sighs> breathe heavy over their shoulder and them not even know it and kind of troll them. You've been trolling me. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you have or not, but it's like you can do that. Some of you have, you have a guilty look on your face, but like you can do that and you can kind of troll someone from a long distance. But if you want to become a disciple of Jesus, it's, it's not to be lived out in distance, The proximity of following Jesus is not like what we see in our social media world today. If we want to really follow Jesus, it's it's to be lived out in close proximity to him, to his life, to his teachings, to who it is that he wants us to be. So we're, we're... trying to become, my my longing for you is to become a disciple because in following closely to the life and teachings of Jesus that you'll be able to navigate through your life because if you don't, you're only going to be left to yourself effort. Now, I want to, this is not the main text for today, but I just want you to know the types of things that Jesus was about in Mark chapter one, right at the beginning of the gospel, Mark, Jesus said this. Now, this is right when he comes on on earth stage to do his his public ministry right he, so he's he, he incarnates he comes through the virgin mary and now he has grown up and at about year 30 he's starting his public ministry and he just packs a lot into th- about three years of public ministry and this is how he starts this is the message he begins with and to me it's so profound he starts out the time has come the time has come There was an expectation in the Old Testament and all the the prophets that were pointing to the Messiah, the Christ is the Greek word 
for Messiah, which is a Hebrew word, that there's going to be this Savior who would come. And there were these prophets were pointing to, to this figure who would come, this historical figure who would come onto the earth stage. And Jesus says, the time has come. And he's saying that I am the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. I am the fulfillment. Either I am in this moment or my life will be the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. So he's saying the Old Testament really goes together with the New Testament. And the Old Testament prophets were pointing to Jesus himself. So if you want to know what it is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, we have to look into the life of Jesus Because he says the time has come that he is the God man. Also, it says the kingdom of God is near. So this is, this is, it takes a different tone. The kingdom of God is near. See, this, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have truly been redeemed of God, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you should be about what he's about. And he was about this kingdom. He kept talking about the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. As a matter of fact, the, the, the person who came right before him, he was kind of just pointing to Jesus, John the Baptist. He was like, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Everything is talking about this kingdom. And people were scratching their head and saying, well, what is this? And if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, look at Jesus' life and look at his teachings. And you'll see what the kingdom of God is like. So our, our life... The ethic of our life is supposed to be wrapped around the life and teachings of Jesus. That's, that's the goal for every person. But notice the last part of this. This is the way that you unlock the profound life and teachings of Jesus. This is how, this is really what sets you in the right posture and, and really the right mode, if you will, to be able to receive this. The key to unlock this is repentance. You see, you can't go into your walk with God. I know somebody needs to hear this this morning. You can't go into your walk with God half-heartedly. You have to either be all in or or nothing at all. You have to be all in with Jesus because repentance, you can't halfway repent. You can't say, well, I just want a little bit of the old me and just a little bit of the Jesus me. No, 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 no. Repentance means turning around, meaning I was a certain way, but I'm not going to be that anymore because I have, I have, I've seen who I was, as sinful as I was, as wicked as I was, and I'm turning from that person to become the better version of me. That's Jesus. That, un, that repentance unlocks that. Turning away from our own self-effort, turning away from our false sense of what we think the word Christian means and morality, turning away from all of those things that are so rooted in, in our southern culture so that we would repent of those things. Because if your salvation rests on your good deeds, you have no salvation at all. Just, it's that simple. And it's that difficult to receive that we repent and we believe the good news. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus that he died on the cross to pay the punishment for your sins, to give you the offer of eternal life. It's Jesus himself who said that I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And he said, No one comes to the Father but through me. He says that the only way, the only path to heaven, it's not multiple paths to heaven. It's not, 
It's not any certain, it's not the different religions and every, he, he says, no, no, no. Every religion does not lead to the same place. There is only one and, and it's the narrow path. And that is the path of Jesus. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father. No one gets to heaven, but through me. That's what Jesus said. So if you want to know what Jesus was like, look what Jesus did. If you want to know what, what your life is supposed to be like as a follower of Jesus, it's supposed to be like Jesus' life. We're going to dig deeply into that in our main text. That was uh, just the appetizer. Here comes the main course. Matthew 4, starting at verse 18 through 22. Matthew 4, starting in verse 18. One of the things that I think kind of gets muddied up whenever, if you're a child and you grew up in church, is sometimes that there's, there's some teachings that just kind of get reiterated in children's church. And, and part of that process is you actually lose the meaning of what was being said in the Scripture. So I want us to really dig deeply, get get beyond the little elementary teachings of what Jesus is talking about so we can really dig deep to see what it is that God would have for us so that he could do a work in us to create the best version of us. Verse 18 said this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, here's the setting, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. If you're somebody who marks things down in in your Bible, I think there's two very important uh, references right in this passage. And the first one is the next two words in the translation that I'm reading from. He says, at once. So when you look at time signatures in the scriptures, it, it's kind of pointing something out about their, the, the context of which it was written, but also something maybe for us to apply to our life. So in verse 20, it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. They didn't hang around and wait. They didn't say, I don't know, Jesus. I mean, I've heard about you and I heard about John the Baptist. And he was like, he was a crazy dude eating locusts. Like, I just can't get behind somebody who eats bugs. And like, you're about him. Are you eating bugs? Like, there was, you know, they didn't go into it and just think, I just don't know about you, Jesus. I tell you what, Jesus, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm just going to observe you from a distance. And if I observe you from a distance and I, and, and I get to the point where I think my life is going to be more benefited by your teachings, then I maybe will take you at your word, Jesus, but it didn't say that in the passage, did it? Their response was immediate. There's four disciples who respond. The first two, it says at once. Maybe your translation says immediately. So they didn't sit and wait. They weren't on the fence. I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. They just, they were like, wow, I'm in. Even when they fully didn't know everything about him, but it was enough. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called to them, and the next word in my Bible says, immediately, again, they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
This is certainly not the main point of this passage, but I do think this is significant for maybe somebody who's listening to this message right now. When Jesus calls someone from their old way of life into their new way of life, sometimes it comes at a great cost. And the cost for James and John is they had to literally leave their father. So most likely in their father's business, now they're leaving their father's business. Now, we know that they weren't freeloaders. They most likely went back and did some fishing, probably with their father. But in this moment, they were making a stand for their life. That they had to turn away from their father to follow Jesus. And anytime you make a commitment to follow Jesus... Anytime you make a commitment to serve Jesus, anytime that you, that you commit your life to living out the kingdom of God ethic in your relationships or in, in your work environments, it will come at a cost. And sometimes you even have to turn away from those that you love the most to follow Jesus. And that's what happens with James and John, that it came at a great cost. But I certainly don't think it's the main point of this passage. Verse 18, let's back up again. The setting was the Sea of Galilee. If you're somebody who studies the Bible, this is also the same geographical area, the same body of water that they call the Lake of Gennesaret. So if you see those things in the Scriptures, this is the same body of water. Much of uh, the teachings of the New Testament actually hovered right around this same geographical area. Jesus really didn't have to wander off very far. Um, much of the, the impact that was made in the world was out of a small geographical area. But Jesus says these words first to Simon and Andrew, the brothers. He says these words. He says, come follow me. Now the word come and follow is actually the same Greek word, the word dute. And it was, it was a response. It wasn't just, hey, you know, just come check me out whenever you're ready. It says, no, come and follow. So listen and obey. That was the, that was the command. And when, when God draws someone to himself, that is how he draws them. Listen and obey. Don't delay it. Not, not part-time obedience, not if it's convenient obedience. It's full obedience. It's demanding. He's God. So he says, come, follow me. And he says, then I'll make you fishers of men. We're going to see what that means in a couple of minutes. And it means much more than probably what you heard in Sunday school. But he says, come and follow me. He was, he was showing them. And he was inviting them into a specific relationship that they would be able to be around him. Can you even believe this? That they would be able to just be at the feet of Jesus, to be able to listen at the feet of Jesus, to look at his miracles at the feet of Jesus, to follow closely after Jesus. And he says, come, follow me. This was very much what happened in their culture. Because Jesus was, at this point, was just kind of being recognized as a rabbi, somebody who could just, who just had some profound teachings. They clearly didn't have a full belief that he was God at this point. So when Jesus, he says, come, follow me, do te, this is the same invitation that he gives to us today. He says, come and follow. Don't just listen. He says, listen and obey. Listen and do. Listen and follow, meaning listen and there's a response that we have to offer up to God. Maybe for you it's repentance. Turning away from your old broken self 
and committing your life to him. Maybe it's, it's, it's listening to him when he says you need to go f- forgive your neighbor, that you just do it and you just don't hold back. Maybe for you, God is calling you men to be the leader in your home that you're called to be, and God is calling you to, do, to be that. And, yeah, and you kind of put God on back burner and back burner. You're overwhelmed. Or, or maybe it's just a mess that you've created, and maybe what needs to unlock that is repentance to say, God, I don't want to be the broke-down version of a man that I used to be. I want to be the new man, the best version I'm supposed to be, and I commit this to you. That's repentance and believing the good news. But when Jesus says, come follow, it's demanding. Kind of the working man's definition of this I want to give you is, is to follow fully, is to accept and follow the leadership or guidance to the fullest extent. To the fullest extent. Because we're not half-heartedly, half-heartedly following Jesus. We are fully, to, to the fullest extent that we can, we are to be following Jesus, do tay, come follow, listen, respond in obedience. To follow fully is to accept and follow the leadership and guidance to the fullest extent. That's what we're supposed to do. Christian, if you've committed your life to Jesus, you're a born again believer. You've, you've had a moment in your life where you've, you've submitted to God and you said, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm in need of God's grace. And you've, you've asked God for forgiveness of your sins and you are born again. Your life should be growing with what you see on the screen right now. There should be a progression of growth, a progression of change to where you are more fully following the leadership and accepting the leadership of Jesus and the guidance of, of the Holy Spirit of God and the guidance of the Scriptures to the fullest extent that you have that's possible. And this is what Jesus also said in Matthew 10, 38. He says, And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He says, Whoever does not take his cross, and this is some some imagery that Jesus would use from time to time. He says, If you... If you don't take your cross, if you don't die to your old self, you cannot become the new self that Jesus is calling you to be. If you do not die to your old way of thinking, your old way of believing, your old way of living, if you don't die to those things, you cannot live in the newness of life to be the person that God wants you to be, the new self, the best version of you. Starts with dying to your old ways. Now, I want to dig into this because there's, I'm going to kind of take a 10,000-foot view, and then I'm going to put it right in your living room, right? So I'm going to take a 10,000-foot view. Bear with me for a couple moments. Some of you will find it interesting. Some of you won't, but that's okay. Because the culture in which this was written speaks so much into what Jesus meant when he said, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. There were three different education levels in their culture. The first one, all little Hebrew boys up to the age of 12 would go in. And it, is, it was called Beit Sefer. Beit Sefer. So all good Hebrew boys would go through. And they, in this, they would memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. So this would be everybody. So there'd be um, some smarter kids, some not so smart kids, some kids who were struggling in the middle. That's my crowd right there. I was struggling in the middle. Fake it till you make it, right? And somebody said that earlier. It's like that, that was kind of me. So the Beit Sefer, this would be where everybody was up to the age of 12. 
And for most Hebrew boys, it would stop right there. Because if they didn't have an aptitude for learning, they would just kind of stop here and they would just kind of go off into their father's business. Right? So with the four disciples who were called in this passage, the father's business would have been fishing. Their, their business, what they would have been in, they would have just been fishing. So for them, it, we see this also in Acts 4, that these same men were then recognized by, by other people as still being, although they made a profound impact on the world, they were still known as being uneducated, unschooled men. But do you know what was the most identifying characteristic in their life? That they had been with Jesus. So everybody in their culture was the Beit Sefer, second level. Now this would be, if you were, if you were like, Starting to be the cream of the crop, you, you know, you're smart. Somebody would have noticed you. Wow, they've really got it together. You would have made it up to Beit Talmud. And Beit Talmud would be, uh, I think, in the ages of 14 to 15. So this would be the higher level. This is kind of like not junior college. Like this is, you know, master's level stuff. Like, man, if you made it here, like you were, you were really smart. And in this process, that they would be required to memorize all of the Old Testament. I know, right? We've got some catching up to do. So, like, you know, just so you don't feel bad about yourself, this was an oral culture. It wasn't a written culture. So they weren't sitting staring at scrolls or books trying to memorize things. It was all through verbiage. So maybe that makes you feel better. Maybe not. But, uh, but for them, that's what their culture was. So if you, were, if you were, like, part of the cream of the crop, you would be a Beit Talmud. That means somebody noticed you and says, whoa, they really have an aptitude for learning, but the significance really is in level three. It's the Talmudim. This would be, if you were a Beit Sefer and somebody noticed you, then you'd be invited into Beit Talmud. If you wanted to be part of the Talmudim, of a rabbi, of a teacher, it, you wanted to do that, it was just, he could interrogate you. He could ask you any random fact about things in the Old Testament. He could have you quote scriptures in the Old Testament. He could have you sift through some Old Testament theology. And if you didn't pass, you didn't make it into the Talmudim. So a lot of people would try and get into the Talmudim because if you're a part of the Talmudim, that means you're in direct, you're in closeness to the rabbi. That means that you had made it, that you could sit and you could be at the rabbi's feet. And if you could be at the rabbi's feet, man, you, you just had such an aptitude of learning. And, and if you could wrap yourself around the rabbi, that you would be so close to your teacher. And the goal of a Talmudim is that the people who were part of the, the Talmudim, the disciples, that their life would begin to be shaped and they would actually become like their rabbi. That was their goal. So in this culture, Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What he's saying to them is, you don't have to prove yourself worthy you're, you you don't have to prove yourself worthy to try and make the cut to make it into my Talmudim, is what Jesus is saying. Because you, it's not a matter of you being worthy in your self-effort. He says, no, no, no. The reason why you're worthy is because the blood that was shed on the cross was enough to prove you worthy. When you committed your life, you repented of your old way, and you gave into, into the newness of life that's offered. He says, no, no, no. It's not your worthiness. Jesus says, I extend my righteousness, so now you're worthy. 
Whereas the Talmudim in their culture, they would have to prove themselves worthy and go through this long interrogation application process just to be part of a Talmudim. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You can be part of my Talmudim because of who I am, not because of what you've done. Now, that's the 10,000 foot view. Let's make it a little bit more practical. We're going to bring it home. The three goals of this, this discipleship process of Jesus and in their culture, the first one was to be with the rabbi, was to be with the rabbi. So if you're a part of the Talmudim and, and Jesus offers us to be at his feet by his work, is to be with the rabbi. So being with Jesus, this is one of the goals of the discipleship process of Jesus, is for us to be with Jesus. Secondly, it's to become like your rabbi, to become like Jesus, that our life should look like Jesus's life. That, that we, that our lives, if people were to look at us, that they should see a difference in us and that we should become, we should be becoming more and more and more like Jesus, our rabbi. And thirdly, is to do what he did. Now, I, I want to just kind of point out to you some things that Jesus did. And I'm going to give you some scriptures here too, and it's going to be kind of like a fire hose. You have to write quickly. I will be available to, to get these. But I know that m- many of you are studiers, and, and I realize that to do what he did is, is really kind of vague. So I want to tell you some things that, that Jesus did and that we um, should still do. We should be applying uh, ourselves to the teachings of Jesus. If you're a follower of, of Christ, you should be applying yourselves to the teachings of Jesus. Applying yourself to the teachings of Jesus. I apologize, this will not be on the screen. That's why it's going to be a fire hose. So we should be applying ourselves to, uh, to, to the teachings of Jesus. We should be submitting ourselves to the leadership of Jesus. We should be serving others. John thirteen fourteen through 15 talks about this. We should be serving others. Our, as we grow to be more like Jesus, it's, it's in the matter of serving. It's, it's accepting his leadership, becoming who he is. And he came as a servant, not as a judge. He came as a servant. Therefore, we should be servants, becoming like Jesus in that way. We should be sharing in his sufferings. That means sometimes our belief in Christ will put us at odds with others. Just as the disciples, the first four disciples of Jesus, as they were come, when Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he was taking them from their old way of living. And, and even James and John had to turn away from their father. And sometimes we have to turn away from the world that we once lived in to live in the newness of life with Jesus. And that is Philippians 3.10. We should be like Jesus and see children as a blessing. Jesus never prohibited children from coming forward. And a rabbi in their day, a Jewish rabbi, wouldn't even, wouldn't even, he didn't have time to sit and talk with children. Jesus always invited children. We should view our children as a blessing. Not to be just smothered and kept to ourselves, but to be released as an arrow into the world, to do good into the world, as they would be, become followers of Jesus themselves, that they would then become part of Jesus' Talmudim. Matthew nine thirty six, we see some compassionate work of Jesus, that we should be having a, a growth in our compassion for other people. And men, 
you stink at this, okay? Can I be honest with you? We have a really hard time being compassionate. We really do. And sometimes we really stink at this. But if you want to become more like Jesus, you have to grow in the area of compassion like Jesus. I can't wait to preach this message. It's coming in the next couple of months. But Matthew 4, 1 through 11, it says that when Jesus is there and he actually has a victory over temptation, that if you're becoming more like Jesus, that we should be having victory over the temptations of sin in our life. I can't wait to teach that. To see victory. Are you seeing victory in your life? You should. It's one of the blessings of new life in Christ. In this passage, when Jesus says, come follow me, and the, the word dute, and it says, and I'll make you fishers of men. This is not some just little cute little Sunday school um, teaching. This isn't just some, some little way that Jesus is trying to be witty, that they're fishermen, and now I'm going to make you fishers of men. Of course, there's some element of that because then they would go out and they, that, that the power of God would work through them and the world would be changed because of the work of these men. But when he initially says this, he's actually taking a Jewish thought and a Roman thought and a Greek thought and he's putting them all together because in those cultures, if a rabbi were a fisher of men then that means that that rabbi had the ability to take the person's imaginations and bring them into a knowledge of the Word of God. So he says, yeah, you're unschooled, uneducated men, but you're going to be so much more. You're going to become so much more. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And, and, And they would know. They would know the rabbis, the, the, the movers and shakers in their culture. They would know who the, the fishers of men were. And now Jesus is looking at these, these strong-willed, stinky, hardworking, living by, by faith that they would actually catch fish. And now he's saying to them, I am going to make you fishers of men. Uneducated, unschooled, unworthy men. That Jesus would say, when you come follow me, Jesus says, I will make you a fisher of men. And the work that we should be about is sharing the good news of the gospel to the lost world around us. That you should be a little lighthouse when you go to work. That, that it's, not, it's not hidden, but yet it's exposed. That when people would look at your life, that it would be just a beacon of hope to those that are around you. That's our responsibility. So I'm going to make this as clearly uh, known to you as I can. So how do I become a disciple or a follower of Jesus? I'm going to break this down into three ways. The uh, The first way that you can become a follower of Jesus is clearly to be with Jesus, to be with. He says, come, follow me, be in close proximity to Jesus, to be with Jesus. Secondly, is to become like Jesus, to become like Jesus. I just have to ask you this question, is is your life any different now than when you first made that decision to follow Jesus? Are you growing at all? Are you changing at all? 
Um, if you're not, I have to really, I really want you to, and I really have to ask you, are you really a follower of Jesus at all? Because you can't follow Jesus half-heartedly. It's all or nothing. So are you becoming more and more like Jesus? And lastly, it's this. We have to just do what Jesus did. That's what we're supposed to do, to do what Jesus did. So you say, well, I, I just don't know what it is that, that I'm supposed to do. I, yeah, I've, I've committed my life to Christ and it was all those years ago and I've seen some change or maybe you saw like a big boost of change and yet you kind of stop growing and maybe you want to get back into this, this growth. And I would say, do what Jesus did. You're to become like Jesus and you need to be with Jesus and you can get right back to where Jesus wants you to be. It's, that's your part with tuning into um, into God so you can become the person that he wants you to be. I realize some of this talk is kind of overwhelming for you um, because maybe this is brand new for you. And I totally understand that. So I, I want to give you an opportunity. Really, it's a challenge, but I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to know what it is to be a follower of Jesus, if you really want to know, I, I, I just I want to continue to grow in my walk with Jesus. But maybe for you, you think of Bible study and you're like, I just don't know if that's for me. I just don't know if I can. It's like it's a big book. There's a bunch of different names in there I can't pronounce, a bunch of other things. I just don't understand it. Here's what we have prepared for you. We have a 28-day Bible challenge. It starts on May 7th. And what it is, is there's a certain level of homework, but this is the Bible's way of telling you how and why you should study the Bible. So it's not someone's opinion. It's literally the Bible teaching us how to study the Bible and why we should study the Bible. But we're going to do it in community. Because what I found in the teachings of Jesus is Jesus taught in community. Very rarely did Jesus teach one-on-one. Jesus' method of discipleship was in community. It was in community. So we should grow in community, just like uh, Jesus had his disciples growing in community. So the way we're going to do this is part of the 28-day Bible challenge is on Sundays, we're actually going to gather, beginning on that day, we're going to gather right here at 3 o'clock. And we're going to come together, we're going to encourage and equip one another and in, in the middle of the Sunday gatherings, you're actually going to be given a book and a little bit of homework to do daily, and you go through it. If you don't get it all done, it, it's okay. But if you, you have questions about it, you want to know more about it, um, Karen Powell and I are actually going to be co-teaching. She's going to be doing most of the heavy lifting. I said in the 915, I was just the pretty face. Um, nobody really got that one, or believe me, but that's, that's kind of my role. But she's going to be doing most of the heavy lifting. But then she did tell me after the service, she's like, why can't I be the pretty face? I was like, all right, so I'll be the muscle, you be the pretty face. I don't know. Um, but we want to grow in community, and we don't want you to feel alone because um, being a follower of Jesus is to be lived out in community. So if I just gave you this book and said, here, study this book on your own, it would kind of defeat the purpose. So we want to have you an opportunity to come in and wrestle with some things and ask questions. So we're going to have groups and we're going to sit in here. We're going to discuss some things because I want all of us to grow in our knowledge of God so that we can become like Jesus. So that is our goal. And the way that you can um, say yes to that 
is if you sign up on the brown table in the back, if you sign up on uh, that the sign-up sheet that's there, you're saying, yes, I want to attend, and you're saying, yes, I'm going to buy an $8 book. And the book is cheap, but the time is going to be rich. So you can do that, and I would say that would be a great way for you to say, you know what, I want to begin to, to know more about Jesus, and you will not know more about Jesus apart from his word. You won't. You really won't. So, and this opportunity is for uh, mature middle schoolers all the way up through adults. So all of those age groups will be able to get something from this. Um, So please take the challenge. You've been challenged. Have a great day.